Welcome to the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris, and we're back for another week of Texas Recruiting Talk. Uh, before we get into all of that, I want to uh, thank everybody listening. I want to remind you to please go to the podcast platform of your choice, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, please give us a, a review. A five-star rating helps and uh, really helps us out. I also want to remind you guys to, to listen to the other shows on the Horns 24-7 network, uh, the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rob Babers. Nick, before we get into the show, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. And uh, I just want to let everybody know this is the uh, Mike Roach birthday special episode. <laughs> so uh, as this is being dropped on Friday, it's Mike's birthday. So anybody who sends a... Uh, Whoever sends Mike the best Twitter message, you know, best uh, happy birthday Twitter message, I'll cash up you two dollars. How about that? Oh wow, two dollars. Okay, <laughs> it's it's gonna be it's gonna be special. Um, yeah, I appreciate that, man. It's uh, the big three six today for me, and um, as we're recording this actually on Thursday, so I can. What I'm trying to do is get all my work over with, so that uh, today, tomorrow, or today, as you're listening, on my actual birthday, I'm gonna take some me time and uh, you know go spend some time with my family and and, and enjoy it. But man, I appreciate the uh, the kind words. Um, let's get right into it. Texas is. Uh, it's starting to be feel like a lull a little bit in recruiting. I think that you know with the coaches going back to workouts and things like that, uh, there's been you know far fewer offers. But um, you know some things we've heard this week is you know Texas maybe heating up with some out of state guys. Um, a couple of those guys are are from Colorado, from the same school in Colorado, Inglewood's uh, Cherry Creek High School. Arden Walker, the defensive lineman from Cherry Creek, uh, recently got a crystal ball pick from our own Blair Angulo, and then um, you know we've also also heard some positive things with his teammate and tight end and new offer Gunnar Helm, who um, you know had a, had a really productive visit with Texas virtually uh, not too long ago. So Texas making some waves out in Colorado. Uh, wrote this week about Michael Mislinski, the the uh, center from Jacksonville, Florida, who uh, is closing in on a decision and recently visited Austin on his own to kind of take a tour of the city. There's another offensive line option for Texas there. So uh, some out of state guys heating up and. I think when you look at it, the biggest questions we have right now are, are on the defensive line and, and kind of how those numbers are going to shake out. Um, you know, the biggest thing is Texas has offers out to guys like Shamar Turner and Albert Regis and uh, Ike Iwana and, uh, you know, Arden Walker, who we mentioned. And so, you know, what Texas is looking for, I think, will probably be four to five guys across the defensive front. Um, you know, so you're already counting Jordan Thomas and um, Jatavian Sanders to that number probably. Derek Harris, depending on you know where the coaches see him, they may still see him as a linebacker. But um, you know you're still looking at, at like three more spots. Um, you know, obviously at this point they're going to probably hold a spot for Shamar Turner, um, who, who's the the most coveted guy on that board. I think they would probably take one of the other guys in the interim and then really turn their focus on finding true edge guys. So uh, to me right now, one of the most fascinating storylines is seeing kind of how this defensive line uh, group is going to play out. Yeah, for sure. And I kind of want to go back to the out-of-state guys for a second. I think it's kind of interesting that um, 
there's so many out-of-state targets on the board right now that are legitimate options. You know, we were talking right right in the beginning of this pandemic, we were kind of thinking this would be a regional class uh, since kids aren't really able to get out and visit. Um, but with so many out-of-state targets, it's it's pretty interesting that, you know, we may not see any, any difference here in this 2021 class as far as out-of-state commits and uh, how that shapes out, especially with kids like Milzinski taking a visit to Austin last weekend on his own account. Um, you're kind of seeing that with a lot of recruits, you know, since they're, even though they're not able to have official visits or, uh, you know, meet the staff, they can still tour the campus, tour the city and get uh, most of the same experience. So uh, I, I just find that pretty interesting so far in this 2021 class. Yeah, um, you know, things, the dynamics keep changing for sure. And um, so we'll, we'll kind of see how those things play out. Um, on the basketball front, Nick, the 2021 class got moving this week with a uh, commitment there. And you've got the latest on that. So tell us, um, I know you talked to the kid, his coach. Tell us kind of, uh, you know, what it was that, that got him to Texas. And, and if you've seen any of him, you know, can give us a little breakdown of his game. Yeah, super surprising commitment on, uh, I, I believe it was Monday. Um, we'll, we'll go with Monday. Uh, super surprising commitment. Uh, nobody really saw it coming, uh, even the staff themselves. Uh, 24-7, we didn't even have a profile ready for him. So uh, he's just a kid that's kind of under the radar. He's not very active on social media, but uh, he just put out that he committed to Texas and um, kind of stuck out the story. And he actually has about six or seven offers uh, from some local teams in his area. His name is uh, Ke- Kean Itijere, power forward, 6'9", uh, 200 out of Rock. North Carolina at Grace Christian. Uh, he, he plays in some pretty good competition out there in the Tar Heel State. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that's uh, he's very raw as a prospect right now. Um, but I, I think Shaka Smart is looking at him as a uh, you know development type guy. Um, he could be a four year guy for uh, the Longhorns, and it kind of boosts this 2021 class and will really get it going. And uh, you know. Between us, between us uh, listeners and us, uh, I think he might not be the only basketball commit we have this summer. I, I feel like we're working on another one here in the next uh, month or so. We'll have more on that next week on, on the site. Uh, but yeah, Kean Itijere, he gets the 2021 class off to a hot start. And uh, Shaka Smart will look to build a pretty solid class since they have a, quite a few openings. Uh, it'll project to be a pretty large class for the Longhorns here in uh, the 21 class. I guess following our recent review, I'm not allowed to say that I hate basketball. But um, <laughs> Nick is Nick is killing it for basketball recruiting coverage, man. And I know you were kind of looking forward to the spring and summer, the AAU circuit, and all that, and getting out. And it sucks, man, that you've got a, this pandemic's kind of squashed all that. Yeah, but it looks like there's some basketball slowly coming around. There was a, a tournament out in Duncanville last Sunday. Uh, I think there's another little get together this upcoming Sunday. So. Uh, you know, just kind of play it by ear. All right. Um, we're going to move on now. We've got a, a guest who joined me earlier in the week on Open Mic. It is a good friend of, of mine and a good, great uh, co-worker we have in the network. It is our Midlands Regional Analyst, Gabe Brooks, who's going to discuss a little bit about this Texas class. And now joining me on the State of Recruiting's Open Mic, it is one of my very good friends uh, and a guy who helped me out a lot when I was getting into this business. He is our Midlands Regional Analyst covering Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, and Louisiana for 24-7 sports. Carthage's finest, it is the great Gabe Brooks. Gabe, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be with you. Uh, We, uh, you know, you and I have, have... spent a lot of time in press boxes together. We've spent a lot of time uh, on the road seeing, seeing games. And, um, you know, I, I tell people stories about you all the time. So I'm glad we could finally, finally get you on here. Um, let's just start off with, uh, I want to do a little bit on, on, on this Texas class. And then, you know, we'll kind of get into some other things. But, um, you know, 
looking at that Texas class overall, what are your impressions kind of on the top end of that class and, and um, some of the guys they've gotten, you know, from, especially from your neck of the woods out there in Denton? Well, you know, the, the thing that stands out about, you know, guys like Jatavian Sanders and Billy Bowman uh, is their football players. And I, I think that, I think that a lot of times, you know, sometimes it's, it's people get tired of hearing kind of the cliche, almost coach speak like uh, terminology. He's like, oh, he's just a football player. But I think there is something to that too. Um, some guys are track guys. Some guys are basketball players who are trying to play football. And, and then some guys are, are all of the above. And that's like Billy Bowman. He's a football player. He plays multiple sports. He's really good on the track. He has verified sub-11 uh, speed in the 100 meters. And, you know, Tavian Sanders, he's also played some basketball for Ryan. Uh, but when you think about the production he had, especially on defense, while not being uh, like, you, you know, he's not on the field every defensive snap of the game, and he still had the numbers that he had. Uh, I can tell you just – as far as Jatavian is concerned, I went into last year really thinking, well, he's a, he's a solid pass catcher. Um, his future is definitely on the edge. And I do think that he'll be an edge player. But what he did last year was show that he is a legitimate high major recruit on the edge and as a flex tight end. Like, he's that good on offense. Um, I want to go away from this 21 class for a minute. You're a Carthage guy, uh, big time, big time former Bulldog. And uh, of course, we don't, we're not really supposed to root for anybody in the, in the media, but um, you're always there to see the dogs when they're playing. Texas has Keontae Ingram already on campus, uh, Calvante Dixon coming in this year. Just give us, uh, I mean, you, you saw both those guys basically from the time they entered high school all the way through. Um, can you just talk a little bit in depth about, you know, what what you love so much about both those guys as players and, and people? The things that they share, the traits that they share are um, they're both really long-framed, angular kind of uh, athletes, and uh, they grew a lot in high school, especially Kilvante. I remember I met Kilvante – uh, I believe in May of his freshman year was the first time I talked to him. And he was 5'8", 150. And, you know, now he's he's going to go to Texas. It's six feet, 175, 180-ish. Um, you know, Keontae, uh, it's funny. I remember talking to him his junior year, and he was 180, 185. And I told him, man, you're, you're so long. You're going you're gonna to be playing at 220, 225 in college. And he's like, man, you're crazy. I was like, no, I'm, I guarantee you, you were going to get that big because you have the frame for it. And sure enough, you know, he's in that range now. Um, another thing that they share is they are both very good um, short area, lateral quickness and agility. Um, they were both uh, three-sport athletes, basketball and, and track and field. Um, that's something I really like about Kelvantes. He's 10-7-1 in the 100 meters and a, a, almost a 48-foot triple jumper. Um, something I tell people all the time is about him is that 
He plays fast. I don't think he plays as fast as the 10-7-1 suggests, but I also don't think he's done growing, and I think he will grow into that speed. I think that his fastest playing days are ahead of him. Um, as far as uh, Keontae, he's so unique because, you know, Kelvante's he's an athlete, uh, receiver type. You can move around. You can put him in the backfield time time. But Keontae is so unique because he was a, a running back who had that long frame but was also so good in the, in the start-stop and the, the hesitation, uh, the agility standpoint of, of getting – uh, so many yards after, not necessarily contact, but you know, after the first encounter, so to speak. Uh, and that was really his bread and butter. And, and what you see when those guys get in the open field is a long stride and, and pretty serious top-end speed, especially relative to high school defenders. Um, you know, there was a – you and I talked about last, last year, there was some, some sort of – I don't know, it's kind of a lack of excitement, I think, over a player like Kelvante. And I wonder if it's because he was Keontae's brother and everybody just kind of thought he's a legacy take and all those things. If Do you think, like, if he'd have had his same athletic profile but just a different name and different relations, maybe there would have been a little more juice around him? I think that that's possible. I, I also think that position may have something to do with it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I still think that there's – kind of a, a glamour view from from the point of a lot of fans of the running back position and understandably so especially in college but um, I, I think it's I think it may be a little easier for fans to get really fired up about a running back than about a receiver just because of how many more receivers you're gonna have than running backs and it's not like you're not gonna have any, you know one or two backs but chances are there's not going to be a ton of guys getting snaps at running back relative to how many are getting snaps at receiver. So I kind of think part of that may be, you know, well, this is just another guy. He's a four star, but he's just another guy. Whereas as a running back, it's like, well, this guy's going to be being literally handed the ball double digit times a game. Um, you cover Louisiana for us, do a great job out there. Texas has one Louisiana prospect in the class in Casey Kane. Um, you know, I think when he was a take, there were a lot of people asking, you know, what the deal Texas was taking a guy like that this early. If you're giving us the optimist view of Casey Kane, what do you think he can be at his best? Well, he's, he's pretty big. He's not huge, but he's big. I think he's six, two plus. Um, he's good when the ball is in the air. He is good in traffic. Um, he, but, you know, that should give him a pretty good, uh, pretty high ceiling as a red zone target. Um, it never hurts to have, you know, it never hurts to have a ball winner on the outside. And that's kind of what he is, is a, a, a ball winner uh, against smaller DBs in those contested situations. Um, I, I think that, you know, he, he's not slow by any means. He's just not as fast as some of the other guys that you see. And I think that uh, a lot of times kids with the, the frame, the kind of frame he had or he has, he's probably going to get faster. Um, I mean, he will definitely get faster going to a college strength and conditioning program, but he'll get faster relative to his competition probably too because uh, he's going to grow into that speed because he's so tall. 
One of the things about you that I, I don't think a lot of people know is that, yeah, you, you can focus on the big dogs in state, but you really like to dig into kind of the lesser known guys. And so that often puts you on the forefront when these guys emerge and two guys that you've been talking about for a long time um, that are emerging is, is one just got a Texas offer one, maybe likely uh, Albert Regis uh, from Laporte and, and Ezra Oyatati from uh, Lakeview Centennial. Um you know, Texas just offered Regis. Seems like they may be close on Ezra. What are your, you know, what are your just your overall thoughts? What, what, what do you love about those guys? Well, Regis is really intriguing because he's predominantly played tight end. Um, I think he played his junior year in the two sixties, and I mean, if you see him on tape, like you're like, wow, that guy. He's going. Not only is he a blocker, but like he's going out on downfield routes, catching passes run-after-catch situations, um, really big and well-built and athletic. Uh, it's really – he's a really unique prospect. He's somebody that, um, you know, I think that he is a perfect fit for, you know, a four-man front where he's going to be asked to play one gap, play like a, a penetrating three-tech type of player because um, he's so functionally athletic on the field. Um and, you know, uh, Ezra at Lakeview, he's real quick. You know, what you want to see in a center or a guard-to-guard pro- uh, prospect is, is, you know, initial quickness and explosion, some violence at the point of attack, um, and he's got all that. And, you know, you, you look around at stuff on some of these guys to get more context, and that includes even, you know, when you see somebody tweet a video on Twitter of, him, of himself dunking, which <laughs> – Ezra has done and you see he's 6'3", 285 or whatever he is and he's dunking a basketball I mean that you know that that doesn't automatically mean he should just skyrocket the rankings but it's a nice uh, you know data point to add to everything else that you know about him. Um, Well cool thanks for thanks for giving us that overview of the Texas class. And we want to thank Gabe Brooks for taking some time um, earlier this week to talk with us and and discuss uh, some of the Texas recruiting class. All right, Nick, let's move right into the mailbag. As always, you can get those mailbag questions into us uh, on the Horns 24-7 message board when the thread goes out. Or you can leave a five-star review on our iTunes page with your question, and we promise to answer any of those, whatever you ask. I do want to mention that uh, for any of you guys who are on the old podcast feed, the original State of Recruiting podcast feed that was a standalone, we are moving all of our shows off of that and onto the Horns 24-7 feed. So if you search Horns 24-7 podcasts on iTunes, you'll, you'll find it there. That's where everything's going to be from now on. All right. Uh, our first question from UT Fan 93 is there any smoke to Jaden Alexis committing? Um, I, I'll say that Texas is in a good spot there. I think that um, – I don't know of anything imminent. I don't know what he's planning to do. Um, I don't know if he has a timeline or not. But I think Texas has been in a good spot for a while, and they've been kind of pushing for him. And uh, Jaden has, has announced his intention to make a decision this summer. So, um, you know, I think that, that Texas is, is sitting certainly in a really good spot for him. 
yeah, I've heard similar things, and personally, I'm pretty close in putting in a crystal ball myself. Um, so maybe look for that next week. Uh, our next question from Connor H333: Predict the six defensive linemen, including the Jack position, that end up in the 2021 class. I think it's probably five, maybe six. So I would say, if I have to predict right now, um, I'll say Jatavian Sanders, Jordan Thomas, and I'll throw Derek Harris in there. Those are the guys they've got. Um, I will throw. I will go ahead, go out on a limb and say Albert Regis. Um, I will say Shamar Turner, pending a very good season. I'll throw Shamar Turner in there, and then the sixth guy I think honestly would probably be more of an edge guy. That's really the only thing stopping me from picking a guy like Ike, Iwana, or uh, Arden Walker. I think it would be more of a true edge rushing type. So I'm not sure who exactly that would be at this point in time. Um, who, who's on the board, but uh, I think those are the guys I feel comfortable putting a prediction in for right now. And I, I should say, I mean, like I don't have a crystal ball in for Shamar Turner because he's fairly wide open, but I think if Texas has a good season, I think they can land him. Yeah, I like the, uh, of course, the three commits. Um, I, I like Shamar Turner as well, uh, Albert Regis as well. Um, and trying to think about that sixth guy, uh, this is very speculative. I'm just going to go ahead and throw out Demarion Alexander as the possible edge fit. Obviously, he he isn't an offer. He decommitted from Minnesota a couple days ago, uh, but uh, you know Texas is looking. I think there's a question later in the uh, mailbag about Demarion Alexander, so we'll get to that here in a bit. But uh, he's the sixth guy I throw in there. All right, our next question comes to us from uh, Saved by Milro. Uh, for the love of all that is good, tell tell me that Ezra Oyatati is going to be offered soon. Also, have we caught up with Denver Harris lately? Because he works out with Anthony Cook. Um, you know, we had some indications earlier this week that, that you know, Ezra, people around Ezra thought he was certainly close to an offer. Um, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I think that for Texas, um, you know, it's really a case of, of sorting through some options. They, you know, we talked about the Brockermeyers, but Texas isn't out of that one yet, and they're certainly not going to walk away until that one is dead as dead can be. And, um, you know, I wrote, I, we talked a little earlier in the podcast, and I wrote some stuff earlier this week on Michael Mislinski, another center target. I think those could be obstacles in the way for Texas. Um, personally, I would love to see Ezra get offered. I think he's a really good player, and I think he could play any of your interior spots, but. Um, as of right now, there's a lot of there's some uncertainty there. Uh, as far as Denver Harris, I, I, Nick's a little more dialed in on that one, so I, I'll let him take that one. Yeah, for Denver, I don't think the Anthony Cook decision is really going to play into his recruitment. Obviously, they're close; they train together uh, down in the Houston area. But Denver's decision is, obvi- is ultimately going to come out come come up to Denver. Uh, I don't I don't think Anthony Cook's experience uh, or any experience bad experience that he had at Texas would necessarily uh, sway Denver in a particular way. Uh, they are close, but uh, I, I don't think they're that close in you know determining his recruitment. Okay, our next question from Jake Cooper: If Calvante Dixon were part of this class, where in the top Texas receiver? would he be that's a really great question because i feel like calvante dixon got underrated last year um you know for for being in more of a loaded class and this is a more wide open class so um just thinking about the guys in state i would probably i would certainly have him behind jojo earl um i would probably i would certainly have him behind cody jackson um 
outside of those guys, I think he's right in that mix. I mean, you, you could make an argument that a guy like Quay Davis is much more of a big play type of guy, but I think you can make the argument that Calvante Dixon's a lot more uh, consistent. So, um, you know, to me, I think he would probably be right in that mix. I think you could throw him in with the Hal Presley's, Keytron Jackson's, uh, that, that group right there. Yeah, I'd put him in that about 5 to 10 range as far as top receivers in Texas. Uh, definitely behind Cody Jackson, behind JoJo Earl. I'd put him behind Quay. Um, I, yeah, and I'd put him right right above Hal Presley maybe. All right. Um, our next question comes to us from – hold on, my computer is frozen. All right. Uh, KT Bulls 3, um, who is Texas uh, taking a hard look at quarterback-wise for 2022 besides yours? Uh, and how further ahead is OU than us right now? Um, I have never been a big OU is way in the lead for Quinn Ewers guy. And um, I will say that out of most of the media guys, I probably have the best relationship with Quinn. Um, and I've just never really got that vibe. Now, I could be wrong. I could be reading it wrong. But, um, you know, in in this case, I just don't think – like, I, I think that the storyline that OU's way ahead is is a little premature. I think OU is certainly in the mix. It's certainly at the top. But I think Texas is every bit is in that race as anything. And I don't think Texas is really going to move on until they figure out what happens with Quinn Ewers. I mean, we're talking about maybe a once-in-a-decade type of quarterback in their backyard – there are a lot of natural advantages for Texas here, and I don't think that they're going to um, to move on until they figure out, you know, that that Quinn's going elsewhere. Really, at this point, I think that what they're banking on is Mike Yurcich having a killer year on the field, Sam Ellinger looking incredible, and and really flipping the script for for Quinn Ewers. And I think that if that happens, I mean, if Texas has that type of season and Sam plays that, you know, into Heisman contention. I think you could probably make the argument that Texas is is in the prime position for yours, especially if Oklahoma lands the number one quarterback in the country, Caleb Williams, as they're uh, expected to. Yeah, I don't think the staff is going to risk flirting with any other 22 quarterbacks right now, especially with his recruitment being so wide open. And I think this is one that might go into – we've always said that Quinn could pop at any time, but it, personally I think uh, that's one that will go into uh, probably next spring, into January, February. Um, so obviously they're not going to risk flirting with any guys. But if we're talking about 2022 quarterbacks in the state of Texas, uh, guys that they could look at if viewers decides to go elsewhere, um, you got Kay Klubnik right there at Austin Westlake. Uh, he's starting to pop as a uh, – legitimate option uh, as far as um, in-state powers. I believe he's the second-ranked quarterback in the state on our top 247 rankings. Uh, you have Garrett Rangel at uh, Frisco Lone Star, uh, Braden Locke at Rockwall. Um, you, you got a few here in the here in the state of Texas in 2022. I've said this 22 quarterback class is pretty loaded, um, and, and it's just proven to be it's proven to be that. I feel like there's one every day that I look at. Uh, I find film or something on Twitter of. Yeah, I think um, it's a sneaky good class. I really do. I think that it's maybe not as deep as um, as this 2021 class, but I think it is very is you know every bit as top end talented. Throwing a guy like Connor Weigman at, at, at Bridgeland, who I think is is going to be a guy that everybody's going to want to be in on. You know, Texas is also engaged with some other twenty-two quarterbacks. I mean, I, I would guess outside of viewers, their their top targets probably Malik Murphy out of California, who they've got a, a real deep head start for. So, uh, you know, I think that that right now the the most of the focus is going to be on viewers. 
Um, all right, next question from Earl Thomas 12. Uh, would you project J.D. Coffee to play safety or nickel in Chris Ash's defense? I think he's probably a safety. I think he's probably a box safety. Um, kind of a strong side guy who who's going to play on the boundary um, and, and play more physically in, inside than anything else. Um, if I had to guess, that's that that would probably be there. I, think, I mean, I think he does have some versatility to nickel, but I think that the nickel is going to look very different under under Chris Ash. Yeah, I kind of have that same projection for coffee. Um, super physical on the inside. I, I like him at safety. All right. Our next question comes to us from uh, Hook'em Bloodstein. Can we get a draft between you guys with the 21 class? Uh, quarterback, three wide receivers, a tight end, two running backs, four DBs, one linebacker, two pass rushers. Nick, write this down. Take Keep, keep, this, keep <laughs> this question. We're going to come back. We'll do a whole segment on it next week. And we'll, we'll do the full thing then. Yeah, I'm down for that. Are we just doing state of Texas? Because I, I feel like that'd be pretty interesting. Or are we doing the whole country? I feel like we should probably keep it to Texas. Just just because... Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Just because the focus is... I mean, if it's just between two guys... Like, you, you both have pretty loaded teams if you're just picking, you know, two two teams from the whole country. I think staying in Texas probably probably where it's at. If we want to make it really interesting, uh, we should require that we have to pick a kid from 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, and 6A. We can talk about that. We'll negotiate some rules uh, over, <laughs> we'll over have the next, next week. week. Okay. <laughs> um, our next question uh, comes to us from uh, Stingle 87 With camps and 7-on-7 seven seven on hold, is there any particular recruits you've noticed who have stepped up their training versus others who have slacked off? And how is that? How that might affect the recruiting ranking going forward or projected college destination? Yeah, I mean, there's guys out there who are working every single day to get better. We see them, and there's guys out there who, who have taken it really taken this time to to rest. And I don't know that it's necessarily going to hurt their their recruiting ranking um, as much as I think it's going to hurt their fall seasons, and it's going to hurt you know maybe their potential futures. And um, I think that's where you'll see it eventually hurt the recruiting ranking. It's just that they won't be as good in the fall. But uh, yeah, there's certain out there you know they're kids so i'm not going to name them but um uh, we've definitely noticed some yeah as far as the kids who have really been working i was actually talking about this with somebody earlier in the week um we might see a few breakout star a few more breakout stars here in this uh uh, 21 class as far as a senior class here in the 2020 season just with kids that you know didn't have anything to do during quarantine so they just worked all the time and uh, you know we might see more breakout stars maybe that's a, a silver lining in the whole thing so uh, I, there's definitely been some kids on twitter that i've noticed have gotten uh, considerably bigger or kids that i've seen in person who have gotten considerably bigger or put on a little unhealthy weight as far as the other side uh, but we'll see in august it'll it'll get proven on the field all right our next question comes to us from in T. Jones, 1484, uh, not Texas specific. Uh, who has the best footwork? I say, you know what? This is something. Save this question too, Nick. Let me think about it. I, I hate. It's such a detailed question. I hate to give a, an answer on this um, off the cuff. So best footwork, highest ceiling, best hands, um, quickest, fastest, best overall athlete, underrated, overrated. Let's come back next week with, with something like that. Um, and a quick list of players you have seen who have left you speechless. Um if I had to do the Mount Rushmore of like, oh my God, jaw-dropping players I've seen throughout my career, it was, I'll do an honorable mention before I started following recruiting, or before I started covering recruiting, 
Rex Burkhead was one of the most oh my god players I'd ever seen at the high school level. Um, I saw him return a punt against Skyline back when Skyline was what Duncanville is right now, and he just ate up an angle everybody on the field had on him. He was the best player on a field full of D1 athletes that day. Uh, Rex Burkhead is my favorite Texas high school football player of all time. Um, outside of those guys, uh, the guys I've covered, Kyler Murray, I mean, Kyler Murray was a leave-you-speechless type of guy with some of the things he could do. It was funny. Um, a couple years ago when Texas beat Oklahoma in that crazy game, but like Kyler almost led the comeback, I was sitting on the couch with my brother, and I was like, oh, man, I've seen him do this to DeSoto so many times. Like, <laughs> I know exactly what he's going to do. <laughs> Kyler Murray's definitely up there. I'm going to throw Bijan Robinson on there for sure. He was, um, you know, he looked like he was just playing a different sport um, when I went to see him last year. Keely Ringo would probably make that list for me as well. The two guys I saw in, in Arizona last year were similar. Simply, you know, just incredible at, at what they could do. Um, I want to make this good. I don't. I'm trying to think. For my fourth one, I want to make it like it's got to really be. I can't walk away and be like I forgot this guy. Um, <laughs> I will say. You know who uh, the first year I covered recruiting, watching Miles Garrett, um, that was one of of just man, this guy like isn't even a human being. It was child abuse. Like watching him play high school football was child <laughs> abuse. Miles Garrett was a different, different, different type of human and athlete. So that that'd probably be like my four that I've seen who were just big time freak shows to me. Um, let me think. A couple of these are going to be way before I, I started covering uh, recruiting. Oh, um, I saw Cam Newton. Sorry, go ahead. no, you you go ahead because you're going to mention you're going to mention one I obviously forgot. Okay, uh, Cam Newton. Uh, and I saw him in JUCO. Uh, that was a that was that was the first time probably as a kid that I saw what a grown man playing football was like. Um, I saw Adrian Peterson as a kid at, at when he was playing in Palestine, um, and that was just super special. Uh, Kyler, of course, I'm going to have to throw on that list. Um, shoot, I'm trying to think of who you're thinking of. I want to take it from you. <laughs> Come on, Nick. Uh, Come on, Nick. It's your hometown. For my, oh, of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Of course, Jackson Smith, yeah. Uh, just kind of seeing his progression uh, more so uh, in his last three years, from sophomore year to senior year, he's still a completely different player. And but he was still fantastic his sophomore year. Um, he, he's a guy who could touch the ball and you know score on every. His play. sophomore year, he was a very good receiver, like a very good high school receiver. Yeah. His senior year, like that game against Allen, was to me. I don't know if I've ever seen a more dominant performance from at the wide receiver position. Like that was that was one of those where we were sitting in the press box, just jaw dropped. And maybe you know, Miles Garrett's a really good choice. Keely Ringo, Bijan Robinson, all those guys are five stars. Uh, Kyler Murray, but like Jackson is right up there in that group as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd have to agree. All right, our final question from NT Jones fourteen eighty. Oh, it's not our final question because we did get a question from Charles. I forgot. Uh, from NT Jones fourteen eighty four saw um, on Twitter. We're not going to mention that other site. An update on Demari and Alexander. Um, any clue what they're talking about? He recently decommitted. Nick mentioned him a little earlier in the show. I look. I think Texas will take a look at any guys they feel can help them get better, but. You know, I've checked around, and it doesn't sound like this is a guy they're very close on offering as of right now. 
Yeah, I, I talked to Demarion today, um, today being Thursday, and I'll have an article out here at 5 p.m. Uh, so as you guys are listening to this, the article will already be out on the site on Horns 24-7. Uh, and just kind of recapping our conversation today, um, I, I think he he wants to be close to an offer. Um, I think the Texas staff is just kind of doing their due diligence and evaluating that option right now. Uh, he could be a guy that emerges as an option here uh, in the next month or so. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he got an offer in the next week, but I also uh, definitely wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. Um, I would just say it's a name to keep an eye on right now. Uh, he's a kid that loves Texas, grew up in the Central Texas area. Um, I, I got the hint that Texas is his dream school. Uh, so if Texas offers, they're going to be uh, immediately in the picture. Um, but it, it's just a fluid process right now, something to keep an eye on. All right, and our final question comes to us from Charles Daniels. He says, um, hey, Mike and Nick, I'm a member of a Facebook group about Texas football recruiting, and let's just say they don't have the journalistic integrity of a Horns 24-7. Inside this group, there's a video floating around of a member of the 2021 Longhorn class not having the best performance on the field in a workout. Do you have any stories of seeing a recruit perform poorly live? How do you balance live performance, be it in a game or workout with produced game film? Which do you trust more when ranking? Um, yeah, you know, I tell this story all the time. Um, right after Casey Thompson committed to Texas, he played in a 7-on-7 tournament in Louisiana with fast 7-on-7. And he was pretty good. He was, all, you know, he was, he was decent. Um, but he had a couple of throws in that that were just awful. I mean, just completely like I could see the linebacker the whole time waiting underneath and in case he would throw it right to him. Um, and, you know, we don't necessarily highlight those plays as much when we're putting them out on Twitter. But I think it is something that we definitely will talk about, um, you know, in any any sort of analysis situation. So, um, you know, the way to handle it, I think, is to be – is to be you you have to be fair on both sides right so we want to highlight what's what strengths we want to highlight weaknesses because we want to be able to keep our credibility as evaluators and you can't keep credibility if you only focus on the positives or if you only focus on the negatives so the way i do it is it's a balance and and it's one of the biggest reasons i believe in getting out as much as possible and seeing these kids in as many situations because you never know if you're catching a kid on a bad day or, or, you know, some video comes out and it's three reps from from an entire day and they just weren't good reps. Um, you know, you never know. So what you really have to do is be able to see them in as many different settings as possible. And you really have to be able to put those pieces together like a puzzle of, and say, you know, what were the consistent things we saw, both good and bad? Um, I don't want to hear anecdotal things about this happened once. You know, most of the time for me, it's what did I see consistently, both good and bad, and then I weigh that as part of an evaluation. Yeah, as media guys, we really like to get out and see the guys as much as we can, especially if it's a Texas commit. You know, we want to see them two, three, four times in a season uh, just so we can get a you know full array on how they are as a player in different situations, um, in different weather, against different kind of teams, against different kind of talent. Uh, there's a lot of factors that play in uh, that play into the game. And uh, seeing those guys in those different environments, you can get a different, um, different evaluation each time out. Um, I like to – I've told this story to Mike. I, I saw Hudson Card for the first time his uh, junior year against Austin Westlake. And he just did not have a great performance. He threw two pick sixes, and uh, on both of the pick sixes, they were throws he shouldn't have made, and he just had a poor game. And uh, going into last season, I was not a Hudson Card fan because that was the only time I saw him. 
Um, and then I saw some more game film, actually, that uh, Gabe Brooks had put together of a couple of his playoff games. And uh, as I was watching it, I was like, this is a completely different quarterback than the quarterback I saw that day. And uh, he was coming off of entry at that point. So um, it, it's good. That's that's what kind of made me realize I need to go see these guys a little bit more uh, than uh, having an opinion straight off the bat. Uh, but now, as Mike knows, I'm a Hudson Card fan, so... Uh, no worries there. Yeah, I, we've had many debates. I would though. not stand for your Hudson card slander. Um, here's a story. I'm still not completely sold. I, I'll tell you that. I still not. I'm still not completely sold. But I, I think he has. Here's a story I haven't told. Um, and, and Gabe Brooks, who was our guest earlier, kind of set me straight on this actually. And there are times when I get stuck in my head. I've seen this guy live, and so I have a better grasp on him than anyone. This se- last season, I went out and saw Clayton Smith. In Texas, Texas High play against John Tyler. And it was a bad John Tyler team that King Crawford played on, but frankly, Clayton Smith wasn't much of a factor in that game. He kind of disappeared from the field. And so when we were having rankings discussions, I used that one game as the data point for all my thoughts on Clayton Smith and said, I don't know if he should be that high, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he, I watched him in a game, he did nothing. I didn't think about the other nine games he played that year. And then when Gabe put his stats in front of me and the film in front of me, it's, you know, you have to get out of your own head. It, yeah, the, the in-person evaluation matters, probably matters most, but you also, you just have to balance it with everything else. You really have to take into consideration everything else that's going on. Um, so, yeah, that's where, that's that's what my biggest thoughts on that are. All right, that's going to do it for the mailbag. Uh, as always, get those questions in weekly. Nick will put the thread up on the board, or, or you can uh, put the five-star view in on our iTunes page. All right, Nick, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add? Nope, nope. Uh, just uh, it's getting too hot outside, so I like staying in, even though I got my hoodie on today. Oh, man. <laughs> it is. It's, it's pretty hot. you got to get out. you got to pick your, your spots to do something. I mean, you and I were talking before the show. I was mowing, and I got out and like started mowing at like 10 this morning. So, uh, you know, I finished right about the time. It was really heating up. So, um, yeah, just pick your spots, man. Stay cool. Stay safe. Uh, look, the numbers are going up again. Um, with all this stuff, I, I don't, it's like, to me, this is not a political issue and I hate it. Cause every time I talk about it, it turns into a political issue, but the numbers in Texas are going crazy again. I'm worried about fall football. All of you guys should be worried about fall football as well. And I, I'm pretty much been the optimist saying, let's just kind of see. And you, so if I'm sounding the alarm, um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a thing. Uh, it's definitely going to be serious, I think. So, um, man, I, I don't want to tell anybody what to do. I'm a big believe in personal freedom but guys wear a mask like just just comply as much as possible and 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 let's hope we can get these numbers back down and play fall football because i've been out there for a couple of these things and um you know they just it's very fragile out there to to see high school teams in their in their workouts and stuff they're scared to death that something's going to cost them the season and i'd hate to see that for the kids so that that's my public service announcement for the week yeah, we have 55 schools who have had to shut down their strength and conditioning camps uh, because of positive corona tests. So um, if, you, if you think it doesn't help your community by going out and wearing a mask to Walmart or Kroger, it really does. Um, I mean, we're seeing um, some 
schools out in the panhandle who are having to shut things down. And, you know, those are small towns as is. So uh, just do your due diligence and let's have some fall football. All right, guys. Uh, we want to appreciate uh, a shout out and appreciate everybody who listens to us, everybody who interacts with the show. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we do it for you. So if there, if you guys weren't here, we wouldn't do it. So uh, thanks, thanks for uh, getting the word out about the podcast, getting it around. Thanks for interacting with us weekly. Um, for for uh, Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week.